<laughs> I was doing I was doing the one from Fairies Wear Boots because that's my favorite. Oh. Out of all the all right nows that Ozzy did, that's my favorite all right now. Um, anyway, hi everyone, welcome to Cranked and Ranked. Um, that was the intro La- last time. I was like, oh, I should have done that as an intro, and then I, I, I now I did it, so I feel good about myself. What the fuck am I going to do for the next episode's intro? I have no idea. But um, you could do a Dio. You could do all right <laughs> or something like that. I'll figure that one out. Um, yes, welcome to Cranked and Ranked, the podcast where me and my friend Eddie Sparks rank rock and metal and other music related things. At this time, we are ranking the full discography of Black Sabbath, and this is part two of three. So um, if you're interested in what was at the bottom of the list, then you're listening to the wrong episode. That would be episode one. Um, this is the middle, all the middle shit. And so, um, uh, yeah, bef- let's uh, let's let's jump into it. As usual, I am Stephen, aka Old Head, and with me, as always, Mister Eddie Sparks, Eddie Spaghetti, to his friends. Hello, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Spaghetti and Sparks bowls. <laughs> um. Yes. So. Um. Yeah, like there's, it's weird. It's always weird the, the couple of times we've done three parters because the middle one is always like, all right, these are the, is this the least exciting? Because we're not really going to piss anybody off by putting anything low and we're, it's not exciting. I think we still can though, because like there are, there are certain albums where people are like, you can't put that any lower than top three, yeah. you know? And it's, yeah. it's like, it, you put it anywhere other than that point, they're gonna, they're still going to get upset. I, I think Maybe that less so, there might but, be two yeah. in this episode that might bump some people out that they're not in the top six. But, um, you know, for the most part, I yeah. think we said this in the last <laughs> episode, for the most part, we have moved away from any albums that we would have really anything negative to say about. Like, we're already in banger central and um there's there's a couple in here that i have some critiques and some uh yeah some thoughts on but uh for the most part i would think that every every album on my list from this album down are all albums that i would listen to multiple times happily so um so yeah so um without further ado we don't really have to um I don't do it. It's so weird. It's, it's weird. Re- recap hour. I know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know why. My. I was telling uh, Eddie earlier that my allergies have been kicking my ass, and I. My head feels like it's being squished in uh, in some kind of weird, um, fluffy vice. I guess, and um, and so my brain it's is a good not way to put it. <laughs> it's, yeah, because it's not. It doesn't hurt. It's just that weird sort of. Why is all this stuff in my head? Um, yeah. but I'm going to do my best to be at the top of my game today. So, but I don't have to go first as al- as always, I throw it over to, to Eddie Spaghetti in order to, uh, let him give his first album of the day. We're starting at number 12. This is going to be number 12 down to number seven, um, the middle six. And so, sir, what is your number 12 black Sabbath album? Cool. I want to state like right out of the gate. 
I, I'm not a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the uh, my number twelve is cross purposes, and oh. we're already in awesome stuff territory. I, I, I agree. Opinion. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, opening track, eyewitness, spelt I as in letter I, and then witness as in witness. One thing <laughs> I love. Uh, one thing I love right out of the gate is is the prominent bass. Like, god damn, the bass playing in this song. The bass on this album is really up front too. Yeah, and uh, it it just sounds killer. There's a there's an element of that Sabbath groove that's that's back. Yeah, uh, cross cross of thorns, cool big epic sounding song. You know, me likey. Uh, Psychophobia, some groove metal, sick. Uh, virtual death has chorused bass on it. Fuck yeah, this that, song rules already. So yeah. now I, I have to ask: since you're on virtual death, does it not sound like an Alice in Chains song like half the time? Yeah, <laughs> like so much, so much so that like every time I hear that song, just because of like even the harmonies that they use, I'm all like, yeah, is this like an unreleased Alice in Chains song? <laughs> I mean, that, not in a bad way. It's a great song, but it definitely has that vibe to it. Which I guess you could say that Alice in Chains owes a lot of their sound to Black Sabbath anyway, so it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's got a real blend of their evil sound and their big sound, so it like hits so it's epic and and gnarly all at once. Uh Immaculate Deception, you know, this this album takes the groove of Dehumanizer and blends it with the epic overtones of Headless Cross and Tear, mm-hmm. and it hits this really cool middle ground between, you know, real heavy grooves, but also big borderline power metal zone stuff. Yeah, it you know in a in a, in a uniquely Black Sabbath way. Um, Dying for Love, ooh. Ballad time. Some there's some Sabbath baby making music here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Back to Eden has some sleazy riffs on it. The hand that rocks the cradle again is one of the coolest riffs I've heard in quite some time. Fucking awesome vocal performance from Tony Martin as per usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cardinal Sin is an awesome song. Evil Eye is an awesome big ass plodding track to close out on. Uh, What's the Use is a cool bonus track, though. Yeah. And um, I'm massively impressed with this album, considering it's it's mostly one of the traditional metal bands releasing an album slap bang in the time where being traditional metal wasn't cool at all yeah, in yeah. 1994. Yeah. yeah. Also, also it's, it's, it's interesting for this album to note that in between this album... Like there, like before this album, there was another album where they brought back Dio and the the Mob Rules lineup. Yeah, and but still t- coined it as Black Sabbath, and then then cross purposes. All of a sudden, am I right? Is that the way that it worked in the timeline? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it went. Yeah, and then yeah, and then all of a sudden they're back with Tony Martin, and um, so it's interesting that they 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 went back with him, and they didn't bother to really be like. I mean, except for like that, the the comparison that I can make to Alice in Chains, like there's nothing in this album that goes like they're trying to be '90s. They're still yeah. they're still just making the Sabbath music as it comes out of them. 
Yeah, I, th- I think some of that could be a result as well of, of them just doing what they did with the advent of the mid-90s production at that point, you yeah. know, where, you know, the groove was prominent because groove was big again in the whole metal thing. I guess that's true, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's my number 12 across purposes. Awesome. Uh, so that's not my number 12, but my number 12 came out the year after that album. My number 12 is Forbidden uh, from 1995. And yeah. um, this was one that um, we we got a comment on YouTube on the last episode asking, how is Forbidden not last? And he yeah. said, I think, I don't know if he called it an abomination <laughs> or something like that. And that is really funny to me because yeah. <laughs> so here's my take on that because this is an album that like I uh, I heard it back in the day a couple times and it's one that I kind of rested on. It's not a Sabbath album I go back to a lot. But every yeah. time I do, I'm like there are a lot of really great songs on here. And honestly, the only gripe that I really have is the I don't think the production is up to what I feel it should be, the sound of mm-hmm. the album. And sure, yeah. the the songwriting maybe isn't as good as as uh, as Cross Purposes, the album prior, but it's a fucking solid album. And so it, every time I see people talk about how awful this album is, I start to really rack my brain and go, "Why? Because there's there's albums that are worse than this. Why is this the one? And the only thing that I can point to is that they don't like that Ice T is on the album for ten seconds." Yeah, and he doesn't exactly the same. He doesn't even (laughs) rap. He just—it's a spoken word section. And so, literally, every time I see those comments, like the absolute worst Sabbath album, that immediately makes me go, "Oh, you're kind of bummed that a black dude was in this album." (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's that's literally the only jump that my mind because, like, musically speaking, they're clearly not listening to the album. I was thinking the same exact thing as, as you. Like that, they don't want. It, we also got to acknowledge it was it was produced by Ernie C, who's the from guitarist Body Count. from Body Count, yeah. which you know is is Ice T's metal band. And I I fucking love Body Count. It's it, but there's just certain there's certain types of fans that will latch on to a minuscule detail, right? I I think were that song not the first song we, we we might be talking about a completely different thing. But I think you think they don't even get past people, that song to find out. <laughs> they just turn well, it yeah, off there. Yeah. Well, the th- the thing I'm thinking is maybe if that wasn't in the first song, they might have like been kinder to the album as a whole. But the they hear Ice T on the first track and they're like, "The fuck is this?" You know. Um, and don't get me wrong. If it is your least favorite album, that's fine. Sure. I just don't get what's wrong with it. I've never he- I've never heard or read a convincing argument as to why it's their worst. N- ever. Mm. And I think it's great. It's a great album. It's not it's clearly not their best. I have it at number 12, you know, so obviously like I don't <laughs> love it, but it's nowhere near their worst stuff. There's a lot of really good riffs. There's a couple songs that have some really interesting riffs. Like the songwriting yeah. choices here are really cool in a way that some of them are things that like I don't think Black Sabbath had done before. 
like just a certain style here and there. And, but I just, yeah, it's like, it's, it, to me, it's just, it's baffling to me. And that's the only thing I can think of is like, they're just mad. No, why, why, they're, why they're, just, they're mad because he's a rapper. He, he does, he didn't rap on it. So I'm just like, it really, it really makes me feel like they're dudes in the, in their basement with a Confederate flag behind them. And they're like, I'm not going to listen to forbidden ever. <laughs> that's just, but that's me. Um, that's, that's a knee jerk reaction as you, as you, um, they're, yeah. theirs and mine. Cause I know that's probably not the case, but I don't trust people like that. It's the same thing with like, <laughs> whenever, whenever you, whenever you talk to people who are, aren't really big rush fans and you talk about roll the bones, they're always like, that's an album where they rap on it. I'm like, no, there's a, there's a part where they're like talking to a beat for like 30 seconds to a minute of one song. I guess you could call it rapping. It's not very good rapping, <laughs> but I'm like, <laughs> but the fact that literally that's the thing from an entire album of great shit, they're like, fuck that, there's rapping on it. And I'm just, you know, that is that is yeah. one of those things that I just, it, that is a, that's a way to draw a really big, put up a really big wall between me and you. If that's the kind of shit that gets stuck in your craw, then please enjoy your life complaining about nothing because <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's it's ridiculous to me but but so back to the actual album forbidden so this is the last one with tony martin um yep. because they wouldn't do another album for 16 how many years is it 15 16 Eight, years 18 18 years um yeah. when they did um 13 which i ripped apart in the first episode <laughs> so <laughs> so really you, uh, to me, this is the last good Black Sabbath album. And um, if they had left it off here, I don't know if I would necessarily be satisfied because I started thinking about that. And so I'm like, well, because you made that, you know, the point about with with 13, about how, you know, the way they end the album with the bells from the beginning of the original Black Sabbath album. And I'm like, okay, even though I don't like 13, I guess it's a nice it's a nice ending to their career. Tie a little bow on it, and you have Ozzy come mm-hmm. back for an album, even though it's not a good album. So I'm thinking if they left off with Forbidden, and let's say the band just totally dissolved and never did anything ever again, it it's a good album, but it would be kind of a bummer ending. Yeah, like oh okay, because it's because it's definitely not their best, but it's got a. I, it stands up with the best Tony Martin albums for me, which is already a great place to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I really think it's a very strong album and the, my gripes about it are really minimal. The production is not great. Some of the songwriting here and there is a little bit weaker, but there's enough cool shit in here and it's different enough to where I feel like yeah. it's a new album. Like it's not them rehashing some old shit again. Sure. There's plenty of stuff on here that sounds very Sabbath, but, um, a lot of it, you know, there's, they took some chances here and I, I love that. So, um, forbidden, not the worst black Sabbath album. Um, you can argue, I mean, be, be, uh, you know, feel free to put your argument in the YouTube comments about why it's actually their worst album. And if you mention ice tea, then you're, your argument is null and void to me <laughs> because that's literally such a sm- what is that it's 15 seconds of one song not even it's like it's very short anyway all right yeah. 
that's my that's my little rant about Forbidden. Forbidden's a good album. It's there's when you're talking about the Black Sabbath catalog, there's like so much good shit that we're still gonna talk about. So it had to land yeah. here at number twelve, even though I do like it. So there you go. Cool. So my number eleven, I feel like this is the hottest take on this entire list. Oh shit! Okay. And I think it's the hottest take because this album should be in the top 10 if you are talking legacy-wise. Okay. How, however, personally to me, I feel like following it, they made a bunch of even better albums. Okay. So it is just the sheer quantity of great output that Black Sabbath have and even though it started what we call <laughs> heavy metal, their debut, Black Sabbath, wow. 1970. Wow, yeah, yeah, you're right. This is, that's pretty low for this album. But, yeah. I, but I also get what you're saying, so it makes, it makes sense. I, as I said with Cross Purposes, the love fest has already begun. Yeah. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carefully dissect why I think this album was bested by its successors. Um, so you got Black Sabbath, the iconic song that officially kicked off a whole new genre of music. Yeah. Of course, you had heavy songs before this. You know, you had some Led Zeppelin stuff. You, you obviously had Blue Cheer. But this is the first that has that real darkness to it. Um the wizard has an excellent riff and a great harmonica part really mm. showing off their bluesy side. Yeah. Cause it, at this point they are still a blues band really. Yeah. For the most they're part. Just, they're, they're just playing very loud and very dark stuff. Um, you know, I love the wizard so much. There's some awesome riffage, great, um, great vocals. Um, behind the wall of sleep is a groovy one. You, like I say, you can still feel the strong blues influence on this album. Yeah. Uh, NIB. First version I heard of this was the Ugly Kid Joe cover, and I love both versions. But this is my favorite song on the album by a mile. That chord sequence is just immortal. It's so classic. Do, yeah. Do you know what's always been interesting about that song is that um, I always thought because it, it's been said so many times that NIB stood for nativity in black yeah, and it doesn't stand for that. Does it not? No. Uh, apparently that was just some bullshit that I think geezer Butler made up or something. But from, wow. from what I heard is that I think, I think nib was a nickname. Did, did they get, did they give it to bill ward? I, I feel I think it was like Bill Ward's <laughs> nickname was Nib or Nibby or something like that, and they just called it Nib and then put dots between it, and it doesn't really mean anything. Now that's th- awesome. Once, now once again, <laughs> that could also be bullshit. And there, so it's just interesting to me that like you know, it seems like it's it's a fact. You read it that it's Nativity in Black, and then you'll read somewhere else, and now that's not the case. And I'm like, yeah, are they? It's like, is anyone from Black Sabbath ever going to clear that up? Or are they just going to be like, yeah, you guys, we're going to fuck with you for eternity. No one's ever really going to know. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Um, and I so, love I love shit like that. Yeah, me, yeah like, me too. And so... Urban legend stuff. Yeah. And on, uh, to be honest, like, when I remember when I was younger 
and they and like I think it was it was a compilation that came out called Nativity in Black, and yep. I just remember thinking to myself, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> like who? That's literally just the. It seems like it's a combination of words put together. That <laughs> what? So um, I like the idea that it's just kind of a nonsense name that they made it to seem like it's supposed to stand for something. But um, yeah. but once again, I could totally be wrong. It could turn out that you know. Uh, Tony Iommi comes out, you know, you know, on his deathbed and is like, we, we were kidding. It's actually Nativity in Black. You know, hopefully he clears <laughs> that up before he dies. But hopefully that's a long time from now. This is this is where he's on. He's on the deathbed and like some crazy conspiracy theorist is like, Tony, we have to know. It's. <laughs> no, <laughs> we never found out the true, the true meaning. Oh, uh, but yeah, it, I, I love stuff like that. It's, it's like um, Kiss with the whole knights in saint in service thing. Well, that like, one, came, I think that know. one came from a parents group or something where yeah. they, they had said. Don't that they all? I mean, I guess so. Because <laughs> I, I mean, because just, just, just thinking about like, like, just just think about Paul Stanley. Is Paul Stanley involved in a band called Knights of Satan Service? He's he's not. <laughs> he's in a band that's just called Kiss. And so, um Makes sense to me. Awesome. So uh, where was I? Oh, Nib. Got, uh, Nibby. Nibby. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah this is my favorite song on the album. Um, Evil Woman, which is one of two covers on the album. Uh, this is a Crow cover. It's and, a, it's and, and later on, there's another Sabbath song called Evil Woman, right? Uh, on... Lady Evil. That's oh, Lady Evil. Yeah, okay, Lady you're right. Lady Evil. Yeah, you're Magical, right. Magical, mystical woman. Yeah, there, there you go. go. That's, we'll, that's, we'll, that. we'll get to that one, obviously. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> I dropped another another one in there for, for the for the guy to edit. Oh yeah, over over another thing on Instagram. Get, yeah, get fun. to work. Put, put put Eddie's singing voice over all the videos you can. We appreciate it. <laughs> I, th- I I did a really good one on um, the Judas Priest episode with the pain. Oh yeah. Pain! <laughs> yeah, go back and listen to that. It, that I'm, I'm guessing no, that would have been episode three of Judas Priest yeah. and go listen to his. Uh, although I think you did it on mine because I think I had Painkiller lower. So it may have been episode two. Fuck, I don't know. Go listen to all of it and find it. I'm pretty sure someone was kind enough to leave a little timestamp in the comments of uh, I when think, I do it. I think they did. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, so if, it says... It says something like, are we going to ignore how good that was? Or? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing that the, I don't, the world hasn't found out yet, just how talented Eddie Sparks actually is. Like I've it's heard, coming. I've heard the music he makes and I've heard he can, he can sing. He's got a range. So um, one of these days it's going to come out and it's going to blow everybody's minds. Hell yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, we got Sleeping Village. Really cool to think that this first ever metal album had a juice harp on it. Yeah. <laughs> doing, doing, doing. Uh, warning, uh, the Ainsley Dunbar Retaliation cover. I'd love to be in a band that had a name like that. <laughs> <laughs> like the so-and-so's so-and-so brigade or something, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a long jammy one. I do love the riff that kicks in leading up to the five minute mark, especially. But I don't, I don't know what it is. I I think this track goes on a little long for me, clocking in at like ten minutes. Yeah, but 
this album's legacy is is you know I respect it greatly. It kicked off a whole genre, still going strong fifty years later. But that isn't to say that this album isn't patchy because two of the tracks mm-hmm. are covers. Yep. And the three I mainly come to this album for are Black Sabbath, The Wizard, and NIB. The rest I can take or leave, but those three songs, god damn, dude, that that was some game changing stuff. Yeah, I, I, yeah, honestly, like I don't disagree with anything. I, I'm, it's higher on my list, um, but it makes absolute sense. I don't, I you know, it, it's not, it's not, it's honestly not a Sabbath album I listen to a lot. Um, it's just more of one of those ones that is historically significant. Like you can't, you know, its yeah. place in history is what's unfuckwithable about it. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, I f- I find that's like a very common thing with with debut albums. You, you either there's a trifecta of ways a debut album can go, and that's game changing. Mm-hmm. Or completely different to what your band ends up doing in the case of something like Ministry. Yeah. Or just a classic from start to finish anyway. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. True. So um to, to juxtapose that, um, this is this is my number eleven, but I'm going to go on record and say that to me, I don't use this term very often, but I think in certain ways it I can use it here. Um, th- I, this would be what I consider the most overrated Black Sabbath album. But obviously Ooh. I have it at number 11, so I agree that there are some good qualities to it. But it is, it's no, it's like, it's like the opposite of Forbidden. Forbidden doesn't deserve all the hate, and this one doesn't deserve putting it up like it's some sort of poster, you know, for what metal should be. Um, my number 11 is Volume 4 from 1972 hey and um so the big thing for me because you were talking about how from black sabbath they start making like way better music and to me it there is a there is a trajectory from paranoid to masters of reality and and then and then all, all of a sudden volume four it's not a step up anymore it's mm. It's still got some amazing riffs on it and some classic fucking songs. And it's still that 70s era Aussie Sabbath that I really enjoy. So it is an album that I like. Yeah. But there's a thing that I've noticed that's happened with this album where it's almost become the part of the metal hipster starter kit. Yeah. Where (laughs) if you're going to talk about an album that really influences you, but you've been listening to metal for about six months, you're going to talk about volume four. Now there's nothing wrong (laughs) with being a new metal head, but I I know in the metal community, especially you're supposed to have like top five ever albums and you know, this kind of shit that we do, but you don't, I, I think if you're new, give yourself some time. Or if you don't really listen to a lot of metal, just, you know, it just become this thing where this album has become like this thing, like all the stoner and doom bands are like, this is their Bible, which really it should be master of reality. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it's this one, but just the fact that this is a step down and they immediately make, in my opinion, a huge step up right after this album. Yeah. So the things that it has going for it are, are, I said, I said a few of those things, but you have like, 
you know, Tomorrow's Dream changes, which changes is a, a fabulous song to me, even though it's very un-Sabbath. It's a, it's a beautiful song. I love it. Um, yeah, and, you know, you've got things like Snowblind. Snowblind is like, you know, how can you fuck with that? Or even Supernaut. But it's um, my problem with a lot of those songs is that it has the it has the blows its load early parts. Like it'll start with a yeah. really great riff and you go, yeah. And then the second part will kick in and you go, not as good. Even though like you're still riding on the high from how cool that first part was. you And that, that's what yeah. happens a lot on this album where there's a lot of great riffs that lead into other parts that aren't as good or even parts that sound like things they had already done on their previous couple albums. And sometimes it's very disjointed. On top yeah. of that, on top of that, when it comes to the Aussie era Sabbath, this is the worst produced album of the Aussie era. Like it just sounds, it's, it's weird. It's all, it's real clunky sounding. And there's plenty of times where if you really listen closely, like Tony Iommi hits his guitar playing. It's like he, he, he doesn't hit notes the right way. So you'll hear like weak little things that he does. I'm like, that's a, that's a literally a thing where they would have gone and said, can, can you do that again? But I feel yeah. like they were just so just like stone and they're just like, it's recorded. Okay. Mix it. <laughs> and, and some people would say maybe that's a charm of the album that there's a little bit of rough edges and stuff like that. And I could see that as an argument for this album. Um, keep in mind, this is my number 11. It is an album that I like, but the, the all the hype around this one that I don't know where it came from always makes me listen to it and go, this is just a good Black Sabbath album surrounded by great Black Sabbath albums. So yeah. because of that, I had to put it lower down on the list because there's other stuff they did, you know, with Dio and with Tony Martin that I think as albums are just arguably better than volume four. And, um, that's not to say that I've already said it. There's classic shit on here. I'm not going to deny that. Um, but it's just a, it's just doesn't have, it's not a hundred percent. This is like 50% awesome shit. And on top of that, the sa- the production's pretty messy. And, um, it just, I don't go to listen to this album. Like if it's like, you will, when, once we get, you know, further up my list, you, you'll, I'll talk about the Aussie albums that I will go to first. Like if somebody says you want to listen to some Sabbath and I'll say, cool, like what era of Sabbath? And if somebody says Aussie, I'm not going to grab volume four. So (laughs) it's, it's, uh, there it is. My number 11 from 1972. It's also interesting to note that they made so many fucking albums in just a few years. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> like insane. Two, like two in one year, and then after that, I think they were making one a year, and ma- they may have done another two in one year at some point. But that's like we said, we talked about that too with Judas Priest. Uh, Jude, God damn it, I can never say their name right. Judas Priest. Um, I had an extra T to Judas, and I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, so um, so yeah, I, I feel like I already finished, and I just started talking again about other things. But yeah, let's let's move on to your your number ten. Or do you have anything to say about what I said about Volume Four? I I just want to say while we're on the subject of Volume Four, Cornucopia is still one of the fucking heaviest things ever put to tape. That yeah. opening opening part, I I just had to no 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 no. 
like for 1972 that's insane it's it's fucking great and then what happens in that song (laughs) yeah it it gets it literally (laughs) they they blow their load and then the next part they wrote it's just like ah we just need another part to stick on here um i mean it's still you're still i'm still talking about this in the in the in the sea of black sabbath albums like if you're talking about albums that came out in 1972, this is one of the best. So, yeah. you know, it, that's it's just depending like the the viewpoint that you're that you're taking for this. Also, on on the subject of bands that managed to put out a shit ton of records in such a short span of time, mm-hmm. usually like three of the first four CCR albums came out in 1969. Like Credence Clearwater Revival put out four albums in 18 months i think <laughs> how insane is that <laughs> and there's there's one album's worth of good songs between all of them <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> I, lo- I love me some some ccr um they got some okay stuff i, I guess but it's it's like that. That's the thing. I can't hear "Fortunate Son" without like Vietnam helicopter noise anymore. It's just so yeah. ingrained into my mind. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, right. But this is the Black Sabbath ranking. So yes. My number ten. We've cracked the top ten, people. It's top All ten right. zone here on in. Mm-hmm. My number ten pick is Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. Oh my god. I know it's wild, isn't it? Like uh, I'm looking at all of these albums and thinking I got to be honest, this the top 10 can change. Dep- is it is subject to change cuz depending on whatever mood I'm I, in, I'm in my top 10. I'm ha- I'm happy here. I I'm just going to go on record and say if there's any comments calling you an idiot for putting this at number 10, I'm 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 okay with that. I'll let those slide. I, <laughs> I don't blame him. I don't blame him because this this fuck is good. So I, I got to say, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath is one of their strongest opening tracks. It's mm-hmm. such a great song. Weird, unusual structure in terms of the vibes, like it jumps between. It's kind of like, I, I know I always bring this up for like crazy changes and stuff, but like, it's like if Mr. Bungle mellowed out. <laughs> smoked a doobie instead of whatever the fuck they i mean i know i know mike Patton was you know notoriously just drinking fucking coffee but the cool little changes in this song Mm -hmm. where they go from like hard rocking riff to a smooth jazz nobody will ever let you know And, and it's it's some crazy good the structure is just awesome and the breakdown riff after the chorus is again it's one of those things that feels filthy for 1973 yeah um, absolutely yeah a, a national acrobat has this laid back oh, God yet heavy feel oh man fluff has been my alarm in the morning <laughs> for quite some really? time yeah yeah it's, it's it's nice to wake up to but like when i heard it on the album i looked at my phone and i realized oh shit yeah this is my alarm um <laughs> but yeah i used to i used to fall asleep to um fluff on a loop when i was when i was like 13 
and I first got the album, and that's I was like, kind of, "That's kind of weird, but okay." Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. I would, I would, I would put it on because I, I want something nice to, to yeah. sleep to, and I would, I would put it on my phone while charging next and to my bed, and it would just play it on repeat over and over. Yeah, again. yeah, I could, I could, loop, I could loop it, and I turned turned it down to like a tiny little thing. But I would just, I would, I would lay down. And fluff would just be perpetually playing. I checked the play count of it like about a month later, and it was insanely high compared to everything else. <laughs> You're gonna fuck um, with the algorithm. Like the top streaming song of Black Sabbath is fluff, and they'll be like, "How yeah. the fuck did that happen?" <laughs> there was one guy in yeah. Cornwall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, it just just boosting its ratings. Um, Sabra Kadabra is a tune, dude. Yeah, so, so much so that even you know Metallica covered it, and I love theirs it's, too. It's got that. Honestly, one of my favorite Black Sabbath moments is the midsection of that where it gets kind of psychedelic, and it's got the, mm. it's got the, like the phase on Ozzy's. Is it phase on his vocals? I don't know what you call it. Maybe it's flange or something. But just that lovely. That yeah. whole part, I'm just like, that is so fucking great, man. And that's mm. like, that's that's one of the things that like, especially on this album, where like I was talking on the last episode about how Ozzy like became a way better singer. He did, for and, sure. And not only that, he his, the vocal melodies, like that's what makes some of these songs. Because just like going back to Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, just that change to the chorus the nobody will ever like just that whole vocal line building up all the way to the feel your head off of, all, that whole part i'm just like yeah that's just so well written that it yeah. just it elevates that part so much and then brings you back into some more killer shit but i just think that like for this era that there's that you know this album and i would throw sabotage in there too um ozzy is just on on like the top of his game in my opinion yeah yeah it it, it is mind-blowing it, it, it the you got to think as well this is a pretty short span of time too because like this is only three years later after yeah. their debut and you just hear him getting better and better over the records yeah but it's 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 on this one and sabotage as well where i hear him and i think fuck you know ozzy's not just iconic because he sounds like ozzy here like he's genuinely doing an, an, an awesome performance yeah and yeah there's some tasteful bluesy piano that appears halfway through sabracadabra too always mm. a big fan of that um wasn't that rick was... wakeman on that yes i, th I it... think so yeah 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 which i know he's only on that song as far as i know but you can tell that they were listening to a lot of prog because there well, is yeah a shit ton of like synth overtones and things that just make you think yeah these guys have been getting high listening to close to the edge by yes you know yeah well i just um, i love how they did it like i, I know mm. I, I i'm 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 guessing because obviously i wasn't there but um I feel like there was there was some backlash because of them using keyboards, and um, I don't know well, the that way that happened on that would have happened on four 
anyway, though. The yeah, yeah, changes. true. Yeah. But I just I just feel like the way they incorporated them, especially here, it's just it's fucking tasty. It's another layer of badass shit on their yeah. music. One hundred percent. Um where was I? Killing Yourself to Live is mm-hmm. is one of those Sabbath songs where the first half is doomy as fuck, and then all of a sudden they're just up tempo grooving, man. Yeah. Um Who Are You? 70s Doctor Who synth synth <laughs> fuck yeah. Let let's let's do this. Let's get yeah. Tom Baker up in this bitch. Um Looking for Today is one of their more upbeat rock and roll type songs. Yeah. And and then Spiral Architect, dude. This big epic closing track with like plenty of acoustic guitars and strings mm-hmm. on top of like a hard rock core is just this like prog opus to to close out on and yeah i would go as far as to say this is their most sophisticated and progressive record of the 70s next to sabotage yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I and i love that they did that like that's you know I, I i always talk about wanting bands to progress and to try new things and this is a case of a band doing it and just making a fantastic album and that's you know that's in my book, that's the most exciting thing a band can do. Awesome. Um, but that one's not in this episode <laughs> for me. <laughs> but my number 10 is also one that I bet, I'm willing to bet there will be people in the comments telling me that I'm an idiot for putting this way down at number 10. Um, they may already be mad at me for talking shit about volume four, but whatever. Um, but I don't have any shit to talk about this one, really, just minor gripes. Um, because we are in Banger Central and this is the top 10, but my number 10 is Heaven and Hell from 1980. Ah. The uh, very first album with Ronnie James Dio. Yeah, Dio finally makes an appearance on the list. Yeah, yeah. Um, And uh, uh, produced by Martin Birch, who ended up doing a fuck ton of Iron Maiden albums. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and it's got a good sound to it. I, I'll say that. I, I, I love... I like the sound of it, but all of my my perception of heaven and hell has always been um it's it to me it's it's overshadowed by mob rules. So it's like yeah. so this album is good, but you know that it gets every aspect of it gets better. So this is a perfectly good obviously this is a to cuz we both had them in the last episode. This is a big step up to me from the last two Aussie records. Yeah. And the the thing that I do like about the Dio Sabbath albums, it almost seems like the songwriting slightly changes a little bit to where you can even tell just in hearing a riff that it's a Dio <laughs> era Sabbath song. Yeah. And um and the big thing here, the, the probably my number one compliment about this album is that they didn't then you know they got Dio on board, amazing vocalist, but they didn't just decide to write an album that sounded like Paranoid and then put Dio's vocals over it. It's yeah. it's it's a very <laughs> it's like they've turned to a new chapter, literally like with their songwriting too. Just it it has a very different feel to it. I saw a review that was titled something along the lines of this new rainbow album is heavy, dude. Like, <laughs> but it like it, that, that in a, in a cool way, you know, yeah. 
like obviously, obviously it, it's Dio doing Dio. Yeah. Over the top of uh, a revamped uh, new chapter of Black Sabbath. I, I mean, they say they sound you know just re- reinvigorated. I guess. I mean, it just um, it's it's a it's a it's a fu- it's a really fun album and and it's it's a classic. I mean, at this point, but um, comparing it, I have to use the same sort of criteria like I was using with Volume Four, where um, as an album all the way through. This album to me is not banger after banger. It starts off with a few bangers, and then there's some that are like, "This song's good," and so yeah. it, and so it, it kind of always makes it an album where it's it's like a first half kind of album. There's good shit on the second half too, but it, I really do get excited when this album starts, and then by the second half, I go, "Cool, how many songs we got left?" And, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's I don't loaded. Yeah, I don't hate it, but I just feel. Like, um, it's not all a plus material, although the great thing about Ronnie James Dio is that he can give the illusion of a song being an a plus song because <laughs> yeah. his fucking voice is on it. And so that's, that's a plus for, for Mr. Dio there. Um, the, another interesting thing about this one to me is that there are times in some of the songs where I almost feel like I can hear that just like you said with Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, I can hear that they were listening to a lot of these other heavy bands that were going on, and you can you can hear little bits of other kinds of of heavy rock from around the time. Yeah. Um. So it so really it does sound like a band, and that's you know that's got a. I think any great band is always going to be very tuned in with what's going on in the scene, because mm. I feel like. As much as it sounds cool to be all like, I turned off my phone and removed myself from the world for a year and then I wrote an album, you could write the biggest piece of shit in the world because you're completely out of touch. And, you know, <laughs> so I think that there's a good middle ground where, sure, don't let yourself be led by trends, but also, you know, there's a time and place. Like, where are you musically? Where do you fit in musically? And um, some bands stick to their guns and sometimes it works. Sometimes it completely fails. Um, but in this case with like Black Sabbath, I feel like they found they found a nice way to just like come into the 80s and be like, we're not just rehashing the same old shit. And they made a pretty fucking damn good album. It's just uh, all the other ones, the you know, nine to one that we're going to talk about uh, to me are much better um, as an album as a whole. But I mean, how, how can you fuck with? All three of the Dio Sabbath albums, maybe it's a good time to point out that we're not ranking the quote-unquote Heaven and Hell album, um, which, what was the name of that album? Was The Devil You Know? Is that the name of it? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and the reason, my reasoning behind that was they made a conscious choice to not put the name Black Sabbath on it. Like, there wasn't a legal issue. Yeah, it, they decided not to do it, and so I'm all like, "Well, if they decided to do it, then they don't consider it a Black Sabbath album. They consider it a Heaven and Hell album." And so I'm like, "Unfortunately, we won't be talking about that." But when you talk about the three Black Sabbath albums with Dio on them, they're all 
Like how, like how, like how, how, how badass is that that you drop into the band when they're when they're having trouble and you do two albums and you just fucking prop their shit up and then you come back later and be like I'm gonna drop in one more time and make another fucking beast of an album. It's like <laughs> that's just the magic of Dio. He just shows up and it's just like, all right, you got some stuff. I'm gonna make it awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and then he does it. So anyway, number ten, Heaven and Hell. Awesome. Which is a great segue, because my number nine is Heaven and Hell. Nice. So, here's my thing with Dio era Sabbath. Okay. It's much like Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> In many ways, it's superior, but will not be recognized as the original. I, I, I like that some Wayne's World references. This is, yep. <laughs> this, is, this is always a good thing. But I, I absolutely agree. That's a really good... I mean, you can use that for a lot of things, but yeah, I agree. In many ways, it's superior, but will never be as recognized. Yeah. <laughs> Rib for her pleasure. The, uh, the, 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 the wisdom of, of Wayne Campbell. <laughs> so yeah, um, Neon Knights is a great opener, super energetic. Yeah. I'd love to have been there when this first album, you know, when this album first came out and be blown away by the brand new 80 sabbath being really fucking good mm -hmm. because i feel like some people would have dismissed it like what's this cock rock bull bs but like i can think of a lot worse things it could have been and and it's not cock rock it, it's just <laughs> who said who says cock rock anymore yeah, that's true. But that's a term that that's a term that I remember using a lot back in the day, but now I, I don't use it anymore. <laughs> yeah, it, bring it back. It, it it is it is a badass. It it's badass. It is front loaded though. I have to yeah. agree, which is why it's kind of halfway up my list because you got songs like you know Neon Nights, Children of the Sea really lets Dio spread his majestic wings and soar over it. Mm -hmm. uh, Lady Evil is a ridiculously catchy song. So fucking good. It's it's a real earworm for me. I get that. that I hear it once, stuck in my head for a month. Um, Heaven and Hell is such a great song. I love how anthemic it is. Definitely the definitive Dio era track. And while I have a, let's say, complicated relationship with GTA 4, it is where I first heard Heaven and Hell. Oh, cool! So, yeah, it's it's my least favorite GTA, but it had a it, it had a cool soundtrack. I'll give it that. Um, Wishing Well is a hard rocker. Die Young is awesome. I love the last minute, especially. Walk Away is where they approach the stadium rock kind of thing. Um, but Lonely is the word. It, you know, is a big ass ballad to close out on. And the stairway to heaven synth parts always get me as, as mm. if that's like totally not a dee -dee -dee -dee. yeah yeah it, like, <laughs> but th this is more like it they're back in the metal zone but with a more updated early eighties sound than their seventies doom oriented thing they're doing more of a epic new wave of British heavy metal kind of fusion here yeah yeah so that's that's why i really do think that they were taking note of those bands yeah you know which is cool honestly because they've still got like the slow big epic tracks but they they do 
crank the pace up on a lot of them as well. You know, Neon Knights, sure, sure, Never Say Die was a pretty speedy opener in, you know, 1978 when that came out. But this is like... Like, that's Iron Maiden-ish. Exactly. And the fact that you got Martin Birch on board. So But the difference is, like, you know, Never Say Die has like more of a swinging groove. This is a driving kind of song. And it definitely does feel like it's, you know, bringing in... Bringing in... It's almost like the... The, the, you know, the, the fathers of metal are helping bring in this new crop. Like, follow us. We're bringing you guys in. Because Ma- yeah. the Maiden album came out the same year, although I don't know if it was before or after. But um, I feel like it was before. But I don't know for sure. Cool. Cool. So, yeah, that, that's, that's my number nine. Heaven awesome. Hell. Sweet. So my, my number nine... Um, is uh, you're gonna I, if you know how to pronounce this correctly, you can tell me because I've never heard it pronounced one way or the other. But my number nine is the 1990 album Tear. Tear, yeah, I say Tear. Yeah, all right. Um, this is just in that time period where their output with Tony Martin is just great. Like they're just putting out some really cool shit, in my opinion, and. I really do think that like, cause, cause I, we talked about on the last episode, we talked about headless cross mm-hmm. and, um, I like headless cross a lot, but this is one of those times where you, 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 if you listen to those albums back to back, headless cross followed by tear, it's, you just, tear is just such a stronger album overall. And it's still, it's still, I mean, it's like they, their, their chops just got better and better with this because it's so well-written, it's well-produced, it's well-performed. Like, everything is, sounds so great. And I, I really love the Tony Martin's harmony vocals that he does. Yeah. It so sounds good so good. And there's, this album, like, has a weight to it. Mm. that I feel like hadn't been there since like mob rules, like the, all the albums in between, even though there are some good ones in there, it's like, there's a, when you come to, to black Sabbath, you expect there to be this heaviness and big, huge quality. And I feel like finally tear, it's like, it's back again, all of it, like everything that you would expect um, yeah. from a Sabbath album. And I just feel like I, it sounds like a band that's very inspired um, and, um, it's an engaging listen and I, I, I have no, I mean, I, this is, this we're at number nine, but I, I have no gripes about this album at all. Like it's, yeah. it's one of those ones that it's so pleasing to listen to all the way through. Obviously it's not my favorite Tony Martin era album. Cause there's still one that I haven't talked about. Um, and, uh, but I really do. Yeah, I just think this is a really strong album, and it's it's unfortunate because I feel like this is one that they, that doesn't get talked about very much. It's it's one of their most underrated works, in my opinion. Yeah, it's because honestly, if you're just on a normal day when I'm not preparing to do like our podcast, if you said list all of the albums by Black Sabbath around the late '80s, is where I would start to go. I uh, I don't remember which album went where. 
or what year or what the you know and I'm yeah. and, and tear is one that I may even forget that it was there because it's it's just that kind of album that like it it's not you don't see it all the time people aren't talking about this one all the time and it came out so quickly after headless cross too like just one yeah. year later yeah um they I think were clearly is, they were clearly had a momentum going at that point yeah i suppose we could tie this together because my number eight is tier as well oh yeah so, let's 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 segue yeah. over that's awesome yeah so you know anno mundi if this is another headless cross i i'm on board you know tony martin's a fantastic vocalist and the atmosphere on here is incredible mm-hmm. that that pairing of albums to me is like i feel like the the sabbath vocalists that got to have more than one record they all have like a double album in there somewhere where yeah. they just hit one out of the park and then another banger right after so you got like you know, Paranoid and Master of Reality, Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules, and in my opinion, Headless Cross and Tear, boom. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. That's that's his um double double trouble, so to speak. Um, and I guess, I guess I guess it does I guess some of these albums, because even Headless Cross and Cross Purposes, I'd throw them all in there, where um the time that they came out, I guess because Black Sabbath was still just doing Black Sabbath it at the time it didn't make like a huge splash yeah you know? and and if you and if somebody's all like let's talk about the albums from 1990 like we just did that and did we mention tear anywhere in that episode i don't think that we did <laughs> <laughs> oh shit yeah there's speaking of 1990 i have to bring up how the fuck did i forget that scatterbrain album <laughs> that that is top five for me. I did. Like, I didn't. I didn't forget it. It just. I love that album. It just didn't make yeah. it into my list. Oh man, that's the I thing that kick- sucks about doing those rankings is that there are albums that I love, and I go, yeah. well, I'm I'm narrowing this down, so this one's gotta go. I guess you know it's it's weird when you think of a year and you go, how many albums do I love from this year? Thirty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, it's crazy, but uh, I I. I love this era, man. Like, yeah. the Lawmaker, I could definitely hear this being on a Defenders or Painkiller era Judas Priest, you know, record if it was sung by Rob Halford, but done in a very Black Sabbath way. Mm. Jerusalem, I was won over with the opening soaring vocals. So something about this Tony Martin delivery that just nails the power metal vibe really well the chorus yeah. is phenomenal mm-hmm. you know jerusalem ah, that's that stuff is just so killer yeah. um the sabbath stones it you know it's gnarly chugging riffage at a nice and nasty slow tempo uh the battle of tear now is this this is what would be considered a a suite right like where multiple songs lead into one another as like one cohesive thing that's a very prog move i think that's what you would call it yeah 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 so you got the battle of tear which is a cool instrumental interlude which continues into odin's court which is a mystical ballad which leads right up into the up-tempo track that is valhalla Mm -hmm. 
I love when they do this, you know, leading songs into one another. Dream Theater do a lot of that, and I love Dream Theater, so I'm like, oh, hell yeah. I love when more than one, maybe even, like, three songs tied together as one cohesive piece. Um, Feels Good to Me is the power ballad of the album, you know, with some tasteful lead playing and a hilarious music I, video. That, yeah, <laughs> I think that could have also been a... a an issue with this album is that I, I I think I actually remember seeing the music video for that in 1990. And I, I'm pretty sure as a 12 year old kid, I was probably like, why, why are these fucking old guys still making music? <laughs> Cause it's a, it's not the best song on the album for sure, but it's definitely not bad. It's a, it's yeah. still a good song. Yeah. It, it is like an it, it's a casualty of its time because like you got to think 1990 what were the labels pushing the power ballad and yeah. that's you know it, label pressure at the time was was a pile of ass play <laughs> also it does it also doesn't help that you know as much as i love him tony martin looks a little awkward so it's like all the music videos with him in it. I mean, he, he, he just he doesn't look like a metal front man to me. That's that's the thing. Like you watch the Headless Cross video, the song is amazingly epic, and and yet I watch the video and I'm like, I am both captivated by how awesome you are, and yet this is the goofiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, he you know? he, he does. It's he's awesome, but he does have a more of a vibe of a guy that would come to help move your furniture than a guy that's gonna like <laughs> front front the biggest metal band ever or something. It's just uh, but in a way that's kind of charming. You know, I guess I guess that's true. But he does, but yeah. he's he's a he's but he's awesome. Like that's the thing is that you know, and that, that's the unfortunate part about the MTV era too is that all of a sudden. There were all kinds Image. of bands that I feel yeah. like they would have been better, um, but they had awkward-looking people in their bands, which is like and some <laughs> bands would literally just get rid of people. Like, was it was it Trickster? I think Trickster, which also came out in 1990, before they, as soon as they got signed, there was one dude in the band where they were like, you don't look good, so you're being replaced by somebody else. And that's the only reason why he was replaced, because he yeah. didn't look as good as the rest of the dudes. It's like, uh, guys, our drummer's not sexy. We need, you know. <laughs> and that's uh, another, you know, that's, you could say, like, that's why I, I was hap- happy to welcome in, you know, the grunge era. Because all of a sudden it was like, yeah, you don't really have to be good looking. You yeah. Know? I, I, I can walk out of my job at the thrift store and get right on stage, you know. Although, <laughs> although you know, I say that, but then you think about everybody... <laughs> <laughs> like Eddie Vedder, yeah. it's like yeah. <laughs> all kinds of good-looking dudes. Chris Cornell could have just been a model instead of a fucking singer if he wanted to. That, that's <laughs> true. Yeah. So, so never mind. <laughs> I guess it was still very important, but you know, true. Not but, as important. Uh, <laughs> um. So yeah, he- Heaven and Black. Fuck yeah, some swinging, shuffly shit going on. I love, you know. This got a very loud, uncontainable, hell yeah, out uh-huh. of me while I was uh-huh. listening to this. It gave me, like, uh, long live rock and roll vibes. Great song to close out on. Honestly, uh, I t- I could listen to this right after Headless Cross and be totally happy. Yeah. I, I love this era, and uh, that is... 
Why is coming in at number eight? It's just the sheer amount of great stuff they put out. <laughs> cool. Well, that you know leads me over to my number eight. Now we're 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 quickly getting to the end of the middle. Is this <laughs> the end of the middle? <laughs> Or the middle, the middle of, of the, the end. end. <laughs> <laughs> um, my my number eight. Um, unfortunately for me, um, we're gonna have to say goodbye to Tony Martin now because my number eight is Cross Purposes hey. from 1994, and it's the last Tony Martin one on my list. Um, but the dude rules. Um, very underrated vocalist, and the albums from his era are also very underrated. Um, but once again, I do, I do understand the quality and significance of a lot of the Aussie era stuff. It's, yeah. it's easy to lose some of these albums and it makes sense. But, um, this was one, the one, like I said, we talked about it earlier where you had dehumanizer with Dio coming back and then they switched back to Tony Martin for cross purposes. And, um, honestly, this is a step down from Dehumanizer, but for the Tony Martin era albums, this is the shit to me right here. Yeah. Like, it's like it's they 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 kind of like up the ante on like the heaviness and the the grand scale of the sound and the songwriting is just so fucking good. And the thing that I really like is that the there's some keyboards back here now. Which there's yeah. keyboards on, I guess, every Tony Martin one. They have some keys, but yeah. um, I don't think... I think they had totally ditched them on Dehumanizer, and then they come back on uh, Cross Purposes. And they're just used in such a cool way. Like, that's the thing that... Like, because keyboards is a... I, I, they get a bad rap sometimes. But I think it's because sometimes they're just used in such an awkward way. Like, just yeah. putting something on top. Like, there's a a brand new Iron Maiden track called Stratego. And it's not amazing, but the worst part of it is there's keys on it that literally sound like they had already had the song mixed and ready to go. And then somebody said, yeah, hold on. I'm going to play keys with one finger. (laughs) And I'm just like, okay, just, you didn't even need to put that, which is interesting because Iron Maiden was also one of those bands that I feel many times incorporated keyboards very well. Yeah. Um, and Black Sabbath on a lot of these albums, they did that. Like it doesn't take, it adds a layer that it just boosts the quality of the song for me. And, um, and you know, it, they're back on cross purposes. Um, and then there's like heavy shit. Like I said before, there's that little bit of Alice in Chains sort of, a, I feel like it's a, no, I feel like it's gotta be a nod to them a little bit. Cause this is 94. Like they, yeah. they had to have known. Um, but this album just has such a great, sound and a great energy and once again it's the band sticking to their guns it doesn't sound like an album that came out in 1994 it has a very timeless kind of quality because it's so it's so well produced it doesn't tie it it doesn't sound like an old album but it also doesn't sound like a 1994 album and it's just chock full of cool riffs and cool songs and tony martin sounds amazing everybody sounds amazing on this album and um once again it is one of those ones i'm like why don't why don't people talk about this album very much? And it's because so many people, as you, as we've talked about, just draw a line and say black Sabbath is Aussie. And that's all I'm going to talk about. But I mean, to be fair, there are some bands that I do that with. Um, Sepultura is a big one. 
um, where yeah. I, I can look at Sepultura's output over the past like 20 years and go, there's a lot of fucking great music in there. But if somebody says, cool, let's listen to Sepultura, I'd be like, don't grab any of that newer shit. <laughs> you better fucking put on a rise or beneath the remains or chaos. I mean, that's what I want to hear. So yeah. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that, too. So I absolutely understand. But um, when you're just comparing like the, the story of a band, I always say that every time we do one of these, I talk about the story of the band and where they went, what happened with their career, just not only in the ups and downs of their popularity and the differences in their lineups, but also just musically where it takes you. I really feel like because of albums like cross purposes, headless cross tier, I think that those actually help prop up the Aussie stuff in a really positive way because it basically says, look, these aren't, these aren't dudes that were reliant on, a, a particular person except for Tony Iommi, obviously, but, um, yeah. but it's just the fact that they could exist in these different decades and still put out this music that I listen to. And I go compared to a lot of other things like this is like high. They always, you know, aside from a couple exceptions, they put out like high quality shit and very rarely phoned it in. And, so I just I just think that Cross Purposes is a great album, and mm. um, but you know it's it it unfortunately has to fall behind some fantastic albums, and so yeah, it ends up here at number eight. It is that like some of these albums I go, man, why don't why can't I do we just have a really crammed top five? Like each <laughs> each each number in top five has three albums in it or whatever you know because there's there's good shit on on all of this stuff but yeah. it had to go it had to go here at number eight cross purposes cool so i guess that brings me to my number seven yep last the- our last albums of this episode damn um okay so my number seven is sabotage oh my god what are you doing why i know i know it's fucked up (laughs) i'm I'm looking i'm looking at the list and i'm thinking god i part of me is thinking why is that there but i'm also thinking i mean i I get it i get it man yeah like that's the thing even i've i've been like scrolling up and down through my notes to check like my little mini list where i can just see all of the albums in sequence of where they are it's like a little yeah contents page and i'm thinking am i sane and i get down here and i'm like okay yeah tell (laughs) me people (laughs) am i going insane Insane. see it was it was very appropriate (laughs) um i did that too a bunch i went back especially for this episode and i went back and said that's not the right order is it i had to go back and listen to things again a little bit and go all right, I guess I'll leave it where it is. Like it's it, this is a this has been a very difficult ranking for me. Yeah, for sure. I I agree. This this was a this was a task. <laughs> but um so starting right out of the gate with Hole in the Sky is an oh, absolute yeah. monster of a song. Groove is insanely good and also the ending where it just cuts out cuts out catches me off guard to this day. Yeah. Um and then you get Don't Start too late which is a cool mystical acoustic interlude which leads into symptom of the fucking universe <laughs> and 
that was a natural reaction. He says symptom of the universe, and then my my yeah. my body wanted to make a noise. Yeah, <laughs> was I, I agree. Noise. It was almost uh, like a yeah. <laughs> who was that? Who was that fucking politician that he he was he was doing so well in oh, America? Yeah, and then he, yeah. And he went. Yeah, <laughs> and everyone was like, "Fuck you!" Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I, I I've seen that. I I need to I need to find out what his name is, but I know exactly who you're talking about. He, just just does, Google politician ha, and he's gonna yeah, he's gonna come he, up first. He he makes like a really impassioned speech, and then just like squanders it at the end by just doing a. <laughs> 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 But yeah, like when it comes to when it comes to people talking about who did the first thrash song, this is one of the first thrash songs in my opinion. I think this I I, I could hear that, yeah. It, like that this has that Yeah. You Strike the tempo up just a little bit. That's thrash. That's that is one hundred percent. The coolest thing about this one is though that it starts out this super fucking heavy, one of the heaviest and most aggressive songs they've ever done, and then turns into like a hippie jam at the end. Yeah, where it goes like I love that so much. It's like you're at a thrash so uh, thrash show and the acid kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what happened. Yeah. Um, and then you get Megalomania. God mm-hmm. damn, this album yeah. is heavy. Like the mood on this album is super dark. It's like the next logical step from Sabbath Bloody Sabbath mm-hmm. because it, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath still has some quite bright and chipper sounding moments. Take all of that out and up the darkness and heaviness and you get sabotage. Um, you know, there's... Ozzy has never sounded more evil than the almost death growl part where he goes, suck me! And it's <laughs> like, it's... I think it's also the longest Sabbath song clocking in at... Uh, well, it's, it's one of them clocking in at 9 minutes 42. Yeah. Um, the Thrill of It All is another killer riff from Tony Iommi. Super Czar is an epic instrumental. I actually get video game music vibes from this. I, yeah. I feel like I feel like I'm in the Transylvania levels of Bugs Bunny and Taz Time Busters for like a, this weird <laughs> childhood reason. I just connect it because it sounds it sounds so much like a soundtrack with the choirs and and everything else going on. I just love that um, that's, that's the game that you pulled. Cause like for some people they're going to be like, right on Eddie. But I'm all like yeah. that, that game exists. What is, what is that even? <laughs> Dude, I, sh- I shit you not. That game has a ridiculously epic soundtrack for a Looney Tunes game. It is nuts. There like, are some games. Like I remember back in the day on the original NES that I liked the music so much that I would just start the game but I wouldn't move my character and I would just record like I had the Nintendo hooked yeah. up to the stereo. Cause I remember I did that <laughs> with like gremlins two, like the gremlins two game, the music on it's fucking great. And there's, there's yeah. so many, there's so many, uh, and I, I guess that's probably why eventually you had these bands like the advantage and stuff like that, that just covered Nintendo games. Have you heard the advantage? I think so. Yeah. They yeah. just, they do, they did two or three albums just filled with them, with guitars, bass, and drums playing 
NES music. Yeah. And um I love stuff like that, dude. Yeah. It's 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 so cool. Like video game soundtracks as well. Whenever it comes up, have you ever seen how uh Mick Gordon did the Doom soundtrack like the the modern oh okay he like i haven't heard it he hooked up like a a bunch of cool like synthesizers and stuff and you know fucked about with this like eight string guitar to just make this heavy as fuck fight music that just rears you up to just kill demons with a chainsaw Mm -hmm. you know there's just something there i i know i know i've gone on a, a video game music tangent but Anyone who's listening, check out some of the uh, the Transylvania music from uh, Bugs Bunny and Taz Time Busters for an absolute experience. Thinking this actually kind of fucking rules, dude. I feel uh, I feel like the the music composers for for a little while they were like the unsung heroes because like oh yeah because yeah. like you you let's say you play let's say you play Mario Brothers for a few hours. And then you stop playing Mario Brothers, and what is in your head the rest of the day? It's like, yeah. <laughs> or even you start looking around your house, and it's all do 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 do, and it's like you know, it's so those dudes like made this music that's so like gets it's so catchy that even I haven't played some of these games in years, but I could still yeah. I could still tell you there's I, I don't know if it's Mario two or Mario three. It has that, and I was like, I'll never forget that fucking song. (laughs) And I probably haven't played Mario two in twenty years, maybe. Fuck, I don't know. I want to also give a a quick little shout out to the awesome proggy Phil in that. Whereas, I'm telling you, dun, 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 dun. Tell, and then I and I love it how on a on a later game they added a groove to it, so it was like, yeah. I was always like, that's pretty fucking sweet. I'm telling you, man, that's like there needs to be a documentary if they haven't made one just about the dudes that composed the music for all of those games and like what happened to them. Like you know, were some of them were some of them in bands? Did some of them go and compose like movie scores? Like I'm really fascinated by that. It's awesome, man, and and it it's it's songs like Super Czar that make yeah. me think all of I, I that was a really of, that was a really good coming coming back around. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> here's here's the thing that just got me thinking the 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 way I hear video game music is probably why I like metal because I think in a full circle way. All of these composers are closet metalheads, if not full-blown metalheads. Probably, and yeah. They, and they think, I want to turn this metal song into a into a, this is what this is how I would probably approach it. I'd be like, I really like this band. I want to sneak them in to this game. How am I going to do that? You know? Yeah. Um, just yeah. just imagine that. I'm not not trying to stick on video game music, but I just immediately <laughs> thought of like the. The, the final stage song from Mario Brothers. Imagine that played on two lead guitars. That would yeah. be fucking crazy. Yeah. I'm sure somebody's probably done it already because like these days everyone has the YouTube channel where they play video game music on their guitar. But still, that's pretty fucking crazy. But that sounds metal to me. It could be easily metal. The 
this is this is my last my last little video game music shout out before before <laughs> right. I continue. Uh, it's the final Bowser theme from Mario sixty four. That is Yingve Malmsteen shit going on in that in that in that piece. It's like on a it's like on an organ. It's really ominous. And then it just goes into like shred mode. Like it's, I'm thinking this is insane. I love it. Um, but yeah, where where was I? Am I going insane? You are radio. Oh, that's the song. Yes. Yeah. It's 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 the closest track to um the previous record with its upbeat feel and lively synth parts. Um the writ is the second longest song on this record at eight minutes and forty-four seconds, and it is mm-hmm. just stomping bluesy badassery and pleasant melodic sections. And I was really pleasantly surprised with this album because it's always been the unsung hero for me of their early of of their seventies work because of like the song lengths and stuff. It always seemed like a bit of a daunting listen where I would be looking at it and I would think I have to listen to this thing as a whole. I can't just pick, I can't just pick one song, you know, with the notable exception of, um, you know, hole in the sky and symptom of the universe. The rest of this album requires, you know, your ears need to hear the whole thing. And it, it, now that I'm not 13 and my attention span is much longer, I can appreciate this album for the masterwork that it is. Yeah. Um, not, not, also, not to be, to be, in, to be fair though, like I'm, I'm older. I'm, you know, now I'm 43 and my problem with long songs for the most part is that it seems like these days when you see a band and like, Oh, they, they, this song is eight minutes long. It's usually like two minutes worth of a build up to anything. And I'm yeah. like, okay, if you're going to spend that long on a song, hook me in in the beginning. Yeah. And then I will go with you for the ride. But it's like there's so much of this like just ominous tones for two minutes and then the song actually starts. And I'm just like, if yeah. you're going to make me wait that long, then you better hit me with some fucking killer shit. And most yeah. of the time, it's just kind of whatever. And I go, well, you this song didn't need to be eight minutes long then. <laughs> Come on, man. I also want to mention the little uh, hidden track that's like buried in the mix at the end, Blow on a Jug. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, dun, 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 yeah. dun, oh, one, two, blow on a jug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I love the idea of just like putting something goofy low in the mix on the end of your record, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, overall, this album makes total sense as the next logical step from Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. Keeps the... F- keeps the sophistication but it ups the darkness and that's what i think that's what makes me like this one a lot more than sabbath bloody sabbath is just that it's heavier and and to me i like that yeah (laughs) it's it's his chunky younger brother (laughs) yeah i i agree i love that album and i'm not going to talk about it today um but but i do have to admit my last one for this episode my number seven this is an album that it's just fucking killer. And <laughs> at this point, you know, we're already at a we're already at a point in the list. Like, you know, if you're not really that into tier or cross purposes, I could be like, yeah, I guess, you know, everyone's got their 
got their uh, their metal, you know, styles that they they appreciate, and then those that they don't. And I I guess I can see that. But now we're starting with albums that if you're like oh, I listen to metal and you don't like these albums, I don't know if we can even be friends because <laughs> 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 it's just weird. Um, my number seven is Dehumanizer from oh. 1992. Yes. Um, the last quote unquote Black Sabbath album with Dio, because obviously they did the Heaven and Hell album, but um it was it's interesting that they did they you know they had a good thing going with, with Tony Martin and then they all of a sudden regrouped with the mob rules lineup of Black Sabbath and did this album, Dehumanizer. And um which is you know the the interesting thing to me is that I was probably already in my thirties when I realized that Vinny Apice is how you say his yeah. name and Carmine Apice were two different people. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I literally thought there was this one dude that drummed on all these things. I'm just like, holy shit, man! But it's Carmine, and I think Vinny was his younger brother. But um, e- even they, then, both both of them respectively have still drummed on a shitload of crazy good projects. I, I, like, yeah, that's, absolutely, that's absolutely agree. <laughs> although, although I would have to say that that um, Carmine, uh, he he's he kind of has that Tony Martin thing where whenever he's on camera, I go, "That is a goofy looking motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> he did. Oh, but I- I love it though. Like he, he, he doesn't look he doesn't vibe. look cool to me at all. He looks like somebody's dad dressed up as a drummer always. <laughs> and so um, but I guess he I guess at this point he probably is many people's dad. I don't know. But this is not Carmine. This is Vinny. <laughs> this is Vinny Apice. Um or a Pice. You know, that's I saw I used to think it was something Vinny Apice. But um yeah, it works. That, that guy's a great drummer. They're both great drummers. What the fuck, man? Um but so obviously you have, you have you have Dio back, but like I don't know what happened because like I read about this album and apparently it didn't go very well like the whole recording process and and they didn't have an amazing time doing it but you can't tell from the fucking contents on the album because everything yeah even down to the production to me is really good. It's fucking heavy. It's got um, the sounds amazing. The songs are amazing. Like, it's almost like they, it's like I just said, like they made an amazing album with, you know, the year before, the two years before with Tear. And then it's like Dio dropped in and said, we can do that better. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then they did to me. Um, and I remember, I this is one that I, I distinctly remember the premiere of the video for TV Crimes on uh, Headbangers Ball. And even at that point, because I was 14 at that point, you know, you say Black Sabbath, I'm like, oh, great, more old people metal. And then you hear TV <laughs> crimes, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, that's just a song that, like, anyone that listens to metal would think TV crimes is a fucking awesome song. And this album in general. And yeah. once again, this album has a really timeless quality. Doesn't sound like anything that came out in 1992. Mm. Um, and it's just, it, this is a, like, a no questions asked killer album. Like, I don't... Yep. I can't hear any argument against this album. Now, I will have to say, and maybe it's because I've heard it a lot more, I prefer the Wayne's World soundtrack version of Time Machine over the yep. one on this album. And maybe it's just 
it's just little things I think in the performances and in yeah, Dio's phrasing of, of some of the lyrics, um, which I, I love that we just get to bring up Wayne's world again in this episode. Um, <laughs> Have which, you seen this boy? Yeah. Ah! Yeah. Yeah. That's the scene where Wayne gets pulled over by the T 1000, um, <laughs> in a, which I love that Terminator 2 was such a big movie. He didn't have to turn to the camera and go, oh, my God, it's the T-1000 from Terminator 2. It's just everyone yeah. everyone in the fucking theater knew who he was. <laughs> just like, because everyone had fucking seen Terminator 2 at least 10 times by that point. Yeah. Because that was a fucking amazing movie. But, yeah, anyway, Wayne's World. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites. Um, but, yeah, Dehumanizer is just badass song after badass song. And... um it's just such an, it's so interesting that they just, and I, I, I don't, <clears throat> I don't really know if I've ever read what the th- thought process was behind Dio coming back. Like, I don't know if it was just their schedules lined up and they said, let's do an album together again. Or I, I don't really know. Cause I, or, or did they think they weren't doing very well with Tony Martin and they wanted to try something else? I don't think I've ever read anything about why it happened, but I don't really care. Because I'm like, mm. they end up putting out Dehumanizer, which is just fucking fantastic. And um, that's really all I have to say about it. Like, it is a badass album, and it doesn't ever get not badass when you listen to it. And so that's why it's my number seven. Wrapping up my, uh, or uh, our middle, for a second there, I thought you had another album. But I'm like, oh, no, we both did our number sevens. <laughs> so, yeah, that wraps up the middle of Black Sabbath, and it's I'm really interesting. We're we're going to ha- I feel like we're going to have differing top sixes, and that's going to make it really interesting. Yeah. Um. So that's cool. Although they're, they're just right offhand, there's three three albums that clearly are going to be both in our our top sixes because we haven't talked about them yet. Um. <laughs> but yeah. Um, once again, like, you know, peanut butter platypus to those of you who have, uh, lasted through this whole thing. And also thanks for like the, I, we've gotten some great feedback, you know, from certain people. Some of the comments like, are like, like there was a really long one. And I, I, I apologize that I don't remember the guy's name, but he talked about how, how great we were at doing this, at doing the long form podcast thing and about how, how thoughtful we are with our rankings and talking about these albums. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's totally what we're going for. And, and oh yeah, it's, it's nice to hear that. Um, because it, it's been a slow, it's been kind of a slow build with this one where I, 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 it, and it's hard to tell like how many people are actually listening because sure there's, you know, the videos on YouTube get about 300 or 400 views at the most, depending on what they are. But I know that there are some people that just listen to us through Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever, you know, whatever yeah. their podcast platform of choice is. But so it's really hard to tell because I can go to Podbean, which where I, you know, behind the scenes, that's where I deliver this shit. Um, <laughs> if you have a podcast, go to Podbean. They're, they didn't pay me to say that. Um, but, uh, there's a little bit of stats about who's listening, but I'm all like, you know, we don't really get to interact with those people at all because, you know, you know, a lot of times they don't even go and leave reviews in the, uh, in the app or which, or wherever that would be. So it's really interesting to, to, 
see when people come in and they say things like that, you know, like that comment that I just spoke about and you go, well, that's, that's great. I feel like we're, we're doing something right. Now we just have to get to the point where we've reached enough ears to where it, it starts spreading a little more. And, um, I mean, I don't expect it to be fucking huge because at the end of the day, we are talking about like old music most of the time. <laughs> and I feel well, like we, we we can branch out for sure. I mean, we, we were talking for, for a while about starting to cover maybe, you know, a, the odd more modern band here, here or there. Yeah, and maybe even bands that we aren't crazy about. Yeah, so that could that could be a cool angle to angle to take. And, and yeah, eventually we, we could we could also rank things that are not music because I mean you can crank mm. the volume on movies, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so we could get into like different kinds of things, but um, I feel like we haven't been doing this long enough to really like totally make a shift like that because I think that you know I don't know it's been fuck it's been a year and a half or something like you know so far that we've been doing this, but mm. um, anyway. I thought that was, that was a long, that was a long way and a very rambling way to say thank you to those of you who are encouraging us because I, it, it helps. And, um, it really does. I'm, I, you know, cause I, I'm very critical. So I, I immediately listen to any other podcast and I go, Oh, those people are doing it right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and we're just, you know, fucking around, but, um, but yeah, anyway, we, got, we, we, we got a good dynamic. We, we, we got a good back and forth. I, oh, yeah. I, I abs- absolutely agree. So yes, peanut butter platypus to all of you who are, uh, the, it's, that's a term that like, I don't know if I'm calling people the peanut butter platypuses or I just say it as a, as a thank you. It's just a weird term. It's like aloha. It means, <laughs> it means more than one thing. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that's, uh, that's all we got for this episode of Cranked and Ranked. Before I go, Eddie, do you have any parting words for the audience? Uh, find yourself a PS1. And- <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were about to give some like really philosophical shit. Like, find yourself a path in life. <laughs> You're like, find yourself a PS1. Find yourself a PS1 and a copy of Bugs Bunny and Taz Time Busters, and you tell me <laughs> the soundtrack to that game isn't one of the best soundtracks of anything ever. All right. Yeah. You, you, you heard it here first. I really Have they ever put video game soundtracks like on vinyl? Like Some, the actual? For sure. Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I can definitely recall seeing plenty in in recent history especially like big titles like yeah um that's i don't know why that would be something so some of those games i would be interested in it but they would be really like like nobody's gonna put out gremlins too but i wish that they would <laughs> because there's some cool shit on that anyway okay so that's all we got for this episode of cranked and ranked thank you very much for listening we'll be back next week uh with the final chapter of the black sabbath ranking and so um, until then, um, this is me, Stephen, a.k.a. Old Head, saying peace out, homies. And now I will uh, throw it over to Mr. Eddie Sparks to take us out.